What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Beth Center on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. It is VSIN's Bet Center. I'm Jeff Barles. He is Adam Burke. Happy to be with you. Final Saturday in January, which means we get the lead in the conference championship games. It's a new, uh, a new happening for all of us, thanks to the extra week of the NFL's regular season. But here we are. We're going to continue our AFC championship preview here. Don't worry. We're getting to the full breakdown of the NFC championship game as we move along here. But let's let's go to some player props here on the AFC side. Let's uh, let's see what we have here, Adam, because. As you know, everyone loves to bet the props on the AFC, on uh, on these games, regardless of what way you're looking at. And uh, we'll start on the AFC side with some receiving props. And you look at this here. We mentioned before, Jamar Chase had a very high receiving yard total, which you don't really see. This one, and by the way, on your screen, you see the players to have the most receiving yards in this game. Jamar Chase is your favorite, at plus 260. Tyree Kill at plus 380. Travis Kelsey at plus 450. T. Higgins at plus 550. And then everyone else is 18 to 1 or longer. But it, it's interesting to see, and just going through this whole one, going through all these numbers, the one number that stands out to me, actually, Adam, at DraftKings, I would look to go Byron Pringle over 37 and a half, who has become that number two wide receiver who is really either option three or four, depending on what Mahomes is, uh, how Mahomes is utilizing whichever running back he is right now. Jarek McKinnon is your best guy out of the backfield, but Pringle has really become a good option for Patrick Mahomes and company. I would look at over 37 and a half receiving yards for Pringle concentrate on shutting down Kelsey and Hill so much. Someone has to have a bigger day than expected. I think Pringle's that guy. Yeah, in that Week 17 game, there were 10 different Chiefs that had a reception. And Nicole Hardman led the team in receiving yards with 53. He had one catch. So that's kind of <laughs> kind of an interesting little wrinkle from that first box. Where, by the way, Blake Bell uh, had three catches for 35 yards in that sure, game. Sure, why not? Pringle had three catches for 35 yards. But to your point, I think that's really important. And, and also, too, when you get this deep into the playoffs. We're talking about good teams. We're talking about teams that execute well, as we've talked about already. You're talking about teams that have a lot of talent. You know, so do the Bengals have somebody that can, you're not going to take away both Hill and Kelsey, but can you neutralize one of them to the point where Mahomes 
Maybe he has to run around a little bit. Find a Byron Pringle as one example. Find a McCole Hardman, somebody like that. You know, I think that's a really important thing to take a look at because we all think the star players are going to be the star players because the lights are the brightest and, and the stakes are the highest and all of that. But a lot of times it is the, the secondary or the tertiary option that winds up being the guy who has the big plays, the first down catches, stuff like that. You know, I thought last week for the Bills it would be Isaiah McKenzie. It wasn't. Uh, Cole Beasley had a much bigger game than I thought, and I had an under bet on him. But it is one of those things, to your point, that, you know, you're going to get an inflated line for a Tyreek Hill. You're going to get an inflated line for a Jamar Chase. And maybe they still go over them, but somebody else is being underappreciated, undervalued in the prop market, and I think Pringle makes sense from your end. Hardman Hill, Bell, Pringle, Robinson, Kelsey, Williams, Gore, Greg, Gordon. Josh Gordon will not be catching a pass in this game. I can, no, I, can I, I will bet him under 0.5 receptions. <laughs> I, can, I can guarantee you that since he won't be on the roster for this one. Uh, but yes, like you said, uh, 26 catches spread around 10 guys in that first one. And then, of course, you flip over to the Bengals side, and there's a hearty total of six who caught passes. And Samaji Pirine only caught one in that game. So really, it was five uh, more than anything. And, and looking at this, Adam... And you brought it up because last week was a perfect example of hopefully you land on the right guy who's off the radar. Because Stefan Diggs had seven yards last week. Right. And the only big play he made was the two-point conversion. It was Gabriel Davis who had four touchdowns and 200 yards receiving he had a last Bundy. week. <laughs> yeah, he had a Bundy, legitimately. Uh, but, but look, uh, it, 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 it's hard to go over. Like, it, Jamar Chase which, by the way, his receiving total has been bet down to 83 and a half, which makes sense because the 87 and a half is 88 and a half just is giant. 83 and a half is huge to begin with anyway. But it's hard to bet these popular guys who you know people are going to go on and bet. It's hard to bet these big numbers over, Adam. It just is. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very, very difficult to do. And, you know, I, I kind of find myself a lot of times defaulting to running back receiving props in games of this magnitude. And I know there are some people that like, you know, Joe Mixon over rushing attempts, Joe Mixon over rushing yards, thinking, as you alluded to earlier, that maybe the play for the Bengals here is to play that ball control style, which would end up bringing Joe Mixon into it a little bit more as a runner. But for me, I sort of think of it in these games as more like, let's use our running backs in the passing game as an extension of the running game where we're not you know, trying to run between the tackles and all that, we're getting our guys out in space. And Joe Mixon in the first game here uh, in that week 17 game, seven catches on eight targets. So mm. he was used and he had six catches for 51 yards last week. He had four catches for 28 in that game against the Raiders. To me, I we talked about it earlier with Zach Taylor and how he kind of changed his spots a little bit midway through the season, got more aggressive in terms of throwing the football Maybe Mixon isn't used so much as a runner in this game, but is used as a pass catcher, as somebody who can take the heat off of Joe Burrow, take the pressure off of Joe Burrow. Maybe you see more of a screen game here where you just send Chase on a go route. They're blitzing Burrow because we know you can get to Burrow. All of a sudden, Mixon kind of leaks out, makes a catch, something like that. So I actually like Mixon over 31 and a half receiving yards here for this one. His receptions prop is juiced very heavily on the overside. But I think over 31 and a half receiving yards is very, very doable, especially because, look, you've got a seven-point spread here, right? So the implication is that Kansas City will be leading this game, which would mean that Joe Burrow has to throw the football trying to play catch-up, which puts a guy like Mixon into the game plan as a receiver. 
Mixon and, and Higgins would be the two. Because Higgins, look, the T. Higgins is the guy that Burrow goes to on third and short. He's your he, he's your possession guy, even more so than Chase. Uh, but by the way, about DraftKings, both Chase and Higgins are at five and a half. Juice is completely different on both of them. You want over five and a half receptions for Chase, you're laying a dollar fifty-five minus one fifty-five. You're actually getting a plus price of plus one fifteen on T. Higgins if you're going over five and a half receptions there. Uh, is there anyone on this board that that was just on the screen? You can flash it back up uh for, for the folks at home. Is there anyone you would take a flyer on? I it just does the hard market to to really bet on here for me, Adam. It is a really hard mark. I mean, you would have to, you, you said you like Byron Pringle, right? If yeah. Byron Pringle hits two home runs in this game and winds up with a couple of 70 yard receptions, you know, maybe that's a way that he, he can have three catches for 165 yards. If he just winds up breaking big plays, like, as I mentioned, McCole Hardman led the team in receiving yards in that week 17 game. And he had one catch. So there is a possibility of something like that happening, but you know, it's, it's probably not really worth betting into. But one other thing I want to mention here real quickly is as you start thinking about this player prop market, you can find some correlations. So like you said earlier on in the show, if Joe Mixon has 20 or more carries, I think that's a bad thing for Cincinnati because they're trying to run the football too much. Now, of course, it could mean Cincinnati's leading the game in the second half, which, you know, based on the spread and what we know about these two teams doesn't seem all that likely. But if you don't think that Joe Mixon is going to get carries, then you start thinking about it as, okay, do I bet Joe Burrow pass attempts over? Do I start looking at Mixon's receptions over? Something like that. As you start kind of looking at overs or unders for these things, you have a inherent correlation with something else that's in the player prop market because somebody else has to be getting those touches, has to be getting those looks. So you can kind of start weaving an intricate web of player props. If you think that one thing's going to happen, it means something else isn't going to happen. If you think something isn't going to happen, something has to happen. So you know, you can, if you're wrong, obviously it can end up costing you a lot of money, but if you're right and you have this game pegged, then that's something you can really use to your advantage. So uh, did this prop up there, and by the way, I 100% agree with you because Mixon, Mixon's rushing attempts is 15 and a half. That may seem low to some, but look, uh, like we said the whole way through, if Mixon, if Mixon approaches 20, that's probably... It's either, it either means Cincinnati somehow won in a route, which I'm going to take the hot take here and saying that's not going to happen here, Adam. Uh, and the other way is is that Cincinnati went to conservative, which, again, would be a, a different problem for them. And, and, and that game against Kansas City the first time, 12 for 46. So a 15 and a half, which may seem low, would went well under the first go around. Uh, on the most rushing yards, though, I will say this, Mixon's your short shot at plus 175. The only one I would consider would actually be Patrick Mahomes at plus 650 here. Led the Chiefs in rushing last week. If the Bengals pass pass rush is working and the Bengals secondary holds up well enough, you're going to have Mahomes using his feet again like he did last week. That's the only thing on this board I'd even remotely consider here. Yeah, and there are a lot of people on our Vista Airwaves this week that have talked about Mahomes over his rushing yards prop, 29 and a half. I've seen some people get it as good at as 25 and a half. And by the way, that's something we we have to mention, and shame on us for not mentioning it until now. Mm-hmm. Shop around for the best prop yep. lines. You absolutely do not take a minus 115 when there's a minus 110 out there or a plus 105 or something like that. Don't take 29 and a half over Mahomes 
when you could have 26 and a half, 25 and a half, something like that. You talk about kneel downs, you know, for for quarterback rushing props and stuff like that. Make sure you are getting the best possible price that you can. It's true of every market, but especially the player the player prop market. Always shop around, but like you said, there are there are legitimate three yard differences from book to book sometimes. And guess what? Those three yards they usually end up mattering in the end mm-hmm. uh, on these props. So definitely make sure you're shopping for the best number out there. We continue on with the AFC and also. We're going to start flipping over to the NFC side when we come back on the other side here on VEASAN's Bet Center Live at Circa on a Saturday night. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Beth Center on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. So go to vcin.com slash podcast and get the Beating the Book pod with Gil Alexander. Market insights with Josh Applebaum, plus hardwood handicappers, the Lombardi line, follow the money, my guys in the desert, coast to coast hoops, and many more. They're all free and available now. vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. It is vcin's Bet Center. I'm Jeff Parles. Adam Burke alongside. Happy to be with you, uh, Matt Verderam, with us in the next segment. Adam is checking the number on the uh, 
on the Hawaii UC Santa Barbara Chase game, right? Oh, of course. Uh, <laughs> I'm watching. I'm watching the uh, Sabers who weren't supposed to really have a goalie tonight beating Arizona. Ah, uh, so. that 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 is a uh, that 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 is a game uh, that you were betting against human achievement, regardless of what you bet in that game. I never bet against human achievement. <laughs> Oh man, that's a that's a great one, Coyotes and Sabers. By the way, one quick NBA note because uh, we just had a triple overtime game just end. The Toronto Raptors on the road beat the Miami Heat in triple overtime, and the Raptors went at one twenty four one twenty. The the Raptors, amazingly enough, Adam, are game over five hundred. And really looking like last year was just a one-off aberration for just not playing in their home country, <laughs> to be frank. Yeah, it's certainly a, a weird season, to say the least, for them. By the way, 124-120 with three overtimes. So, uh, Pretty low score, not, all things not considered. A, not a great offensive showcase for either one of those teams. But again, like I kind of talked about earlier in terms of looking at some of the college basketball results and all of that, my immediate thought, usually before a game even goes final, What's coming up next? You know, especially when you talk about a triple overtime game, uh, nothing tomorrow for these two teams. They do have the day off. Miami is at Boston on Monday and Toronto at Atlanta. So we'll see what those numbers look like coming off that big triple overtime game. Miami with a further flight. What? Yeah. For that much, one. Much, much further. Much yes. further. Well, that nice and extra two Although, hours. You know, Toronto might be a little bit distracted in, in a place like Atlanta on a Sunday night. So <laughs> that could be an issue. <laughs> just, just slightly potentially there. Uh, Adam, uh, I, they I, go for the food, right? For the wings. You got to get the lemon pepper, right? Yes. Right. <laughs> the, the, was it the Lou Williams? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, of course. Come on now. Um, <laughs> before, Peace in after dark. Before we get ourselves in trouble here, uh, the uh, one last thing on a Kansas City Cincinnati game, and we'll revisit this through the end of the show as we, we go along as well. The biggest, the biggest thing in this whole game for me, Adam, even more so than quarterbacking play even more so than the kickers. It really is going to come down to one thing. And we mentioned it a little bit earlier, Andy Reid's pregame script of the first 15 to 20 plays is better than anyone's in the league. And this point blew up on me in the Pittsburgh game, because of course, Kansas city naturally got shut out in the first quarter and it was unstoppable in the second and third quarters in that game. But if Cincinnati can play Kansas city, even early in this game, they're going to have a real shot to stay in this game just because of the big advantage that Andy Reid has in that big early game script. Now, if Kansas City comes out and destroys Cincinnati from the get-go, we're going to know pretty early what's probably going to happen here. But if Cincinnati can stay even through the first, well, let, let's say we'll make it the whole first half. If this game is a one-score game at halftime, especially if Cincinnati gets the ball first in the second half, all bets are off here in this one. Yeah, when you look at these two teams here during the regular season, Kansas City second to Dallas in terms of first quarter points, 7.2. Mm -hmm. Cincinnati 14th with 4.4. Now, of course, again, that's a full season sample size, as we talked about already. Zach Taylor got a lot more aggressive at the midpoint of the season, throwing the football downfield more, all that kind of thing. So, you know, maybe they did improve a little bit in the second half of this season. But as you said, Kansas City very, very effective in that first quarter. And again, that sort of speaks to, you know, if the Bengals face some adversity, and they have already here in the playoffs, they just haven't against a team the caliber of the Chiefs, how does this young team respond? 
How does Joe Burrow respond if he throws a bad interception, something like that? Fortunately for him, he had the interception in the game against the Titans, and then Tannehill gave it right back to him. So, you know, Mahomes is probably not going to do that unless, you know, first half of the season Mahomes shows up. But I think it's a really good point by you is if this thing gets away from Cincinnati early, like it did in the first meeting where they were down 28 to 14, are they able to rebound from that? I think it's a whole different animal here. Yeah, it's much different. It's much different than playing a regular season game at home where Kansas City's defense is committing penalties on basically every other play. Right. It's a whole different ballgame. By the way, uh, officials for these games, we should probably mention this real quick. Bill Vinovich, and again, it's a all-star crew, but Bill Vinovich is the ref in the AFC title game. Vinovich is one of the refs that you would like to have in a game like this because his crew doesn't, his crew in a regular season didn't call anything. And historically, looking at that Saints Rams game, missed, obviously missed one of the most obvious penalties you ever see. But in part of that is because they just don't call much. And you see on your screen, offensive holding, Vinovich's crew at 31. That's not a lot. Again, kind of felt like offensive holding disappeared at points this year. Uh, So be it. 12 DPIs, one of the lowest in the league. Defensive holding, they were the lowest in the league with four. Offensive pass interference, second lowest with three. So Vinovich's crew during the regular season didn't call a lot. Of course, our guy Wes Reynolds went through this. uh, Because Wes, uh, the master of everything here at the network. Yeah. Uh, but, and but, also, too, Vinovich did not call roughing the passer. I saw Wes tweet that correct. out as well. Did not call. Which, which not you, a great situation for Joe Burrow, given how often he gets hit. No. Look, and, and, and look, I, I, I'm of the of the, the case where John Hussey and, and crew that did the Chief Bill game, I thought they just earned the Super Bowl based off of that performance where they just stayed out of the way. That's what you want in these playoff games. Now, in the NFC game, we'll get the Cheffers later, who continually gets big assignments despite not showing that he deserves them with the way he officiates. By the way, uh, uh, we'll, we uh, we might have some uh, some good referee content for our Super Bowl coverage. Uh, pay attention when our coverage comes on the day, of course. But, Adam, it just that is something you have to look at here. You're not going to, more than likely, not going to get the nonsense yards that we saw both teams get in that game in Cincinnati where there are a ton of penalties. Right, and I guess I'll I'll pose this question to you then. I mean, look, you've got a crew that's going to let them play, right? Mm -hmm. So if you like the over, it's great to have the free yards from defensive pass interference. Every underthrow winds up being DPI, it feels like, in this league. And you you get big chunks because it's a spot foul. It's not 15 like it is in college. But also, now you have a scenario where you aren't going to get a whole lot of calls out of this crew. So does that help the over? Does it help the under? How do you sort of interpret that? No, it's a good question. I, I would be willing to look at it both ways. I would be willing, to, if you made an argument that it's better for the under because they don't call defensive pass interference, yeah, I would listen to that. Would you argue that there be able the, the offensive player be able to get away with a lot of hand fighting on the outside and maybe be able to get away with a push-off? Yeah, I think it works both ways here, Adam. I, I, I think I'd probably lean it's better probably for the under than anything, but... Last week, we barely had any penalties called in that Bill Chief game. And, of course, yeah, I know that you needed the scores late to get it over, but it was an over game despite the fact that it wasn't over until the third Gabriel Davis touchdown in that game. Well, it also makes me wonder, too, you're an offensive coordinator, right? You've got some questionable plays in the red zone, right? You've got your pick plays and all those kinds of things. 
you probably know which crews you can run those with and which crews you can't. And it certainly would seem like in this game, if Vinovich's crew, and, and you know, look, they're going to follow the lead of the head ref. I know it's not the same crew he had all year, but I think he'll still have a lot of influence over the guys who are you know, technically un underneath him for this game. Three OPI calls from his crew, right? So if you've got a pick play in the red zone, now is probably the time to use it. That may not be the case in future games going forward. So maybe that helps red zone efficiency. Maybe it alters the way the coordinators are going to call this game. You know, as you said, if they're allowing a lot of hand fighting, letting the offensive guy push off a little bit, why, you know, maybe you run the football less often. Stuff like that. These, these are all little nuances that we can really dig into because we have two games to talk about. But these are things that theoretically you could apply to any NFL handicap. Oh, 100%. Look, uh, especially in the regular season when you know what you're usually getting out of these crews, this is stuff to look at. By the way, it looked like there was a report earlier in the week, in the week from Football Zebras that looked like this was going to be Cheffers on the AFC and Vinovich on the NFC, but it was flipped because the Chiefs still have that beef from 2017 with Cheffers, which, again, in the end, big break for Kansas City, I would say, that they get Vinovich, for both the teams, honestly, that Vinovich is revving that game instead of Cheffers. And look, that will, at some point, there will be a call or two that you're scratching your head and be like, he called what? <laughs> what is he doing? And that happens with Chevers. That's that kind of the, the risk you run with continuing to give that guy big assignments, which with the way of all these refs retiring over the last five years, Chevers has kind of found his way to being a guy that the NFL sees as a top five head official, which when you've run out of guys, you kind of find your way to doing that. The best referees and umpires, you don't know who they are. That's correct. That's correct. That's why Vinovich and his crew did such a good job this year, uh, for sure. Matt Verderam going to be with us in the next segment. We're going to ask him his thoughts on both of these games. And we're starting with the AFC and moving our way west to the NFC. That's next on VEASAN's Bet Center here at Cirque on a Saturday night. This is Bet Center on VEASAN, the sports betting network. It's never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want you to make sure that, that VEASAN is a part of your plans. We've been with you through the whole playoffs, and now as we're on championship weekend, we're going to have you ready. The weekend of the big game, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on VEASAN.com leading up to the sixth annual live big game betcast. Oh, are we excited for that? A great crew, as always, ready to go on big game Sunday. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now. To join VSIN and their betting experts before, during, and after the game. And, and as always, find all of our work at vsin.com. Of course, all that coverage is going to be free for the big game. He's Adam Burke. I'm Jeff Parles. Happy to be with you here on the final Saturday of January. And of course, we have conference championship games tomorrow, both the AFC and the NFC. And we'll bring one of our one of our fun guests here, Matt Verderam, a fan sided with us right now. Matt. Pleasure as always to catch up with you. Let's just dive right in. The AFC title game between the Bengals and the Chiefs. Of course, these two teams met in Week 17. Cincinnati got the win in that one in uh, in a la with a last-second field goal from Evan McPherson. What do you think is going to be different this go-around between these two teams? Well, in that game, Joe Burrow threw for 446 yards. Jamar Chase had 266 receiving yards and three touchdowns. Uh, if the Bengals repeat that, they win. My guess is, though, that they won't repeat that. Um, 
I always think the Chiefs, who played a lot of single coverage on Chase in that game, they pressed them. They blitzed Burrow like crazy in that game. I would think that they will not blitz as much. They'll probably bracket Chase. They did that to Stephon Diggs this past weekend. He had three catches for seven yards. Now, Gabriel Davis went off. He had over 200 yards, four touchdowns. If you look at the passing chart in that game on those big balls down the field from Allen, they're all right down the middle. They're all right where Tyron Matthew would have been. Um, he is expected to play, I'm told, um, by, by a source close to that situation. So as long as he's there and he's good to go, I, I believe the Chiefs will play a lot of too high with a bracket. Um, and then it's going to be on the Bengals to sustain these long drives down the field, which with that offensive line could be problematic. Matt, when we look at the box score for the first game here, speaking of guys getting targeted, Tyreek Hill, six catches on 10 targets. But we talked about it in one of the previous segments here. 10 different guys for the Chiefs caught a pass in that Week 17 game. Hill with six catches, Kelsey with five, but only for 25 yards. What was so difficult for the Chiefs about creating explosive plays in the passing game in that first matchup? Yeah, you know, it was an odd game. They they had four plays in the passing game of, of over uh, 24 yards, but you're right. They were spread out. Uh, Robinson had a 29-yard touchdown. Pringle had a 27-yard grab. McCall Hardman had a 53-yard. It was the only catch of the game. But, yeah, Hill, six catches, 40 yards, and then, like you said, with Kelsey, only 25. Um, I think it's part of the way the Bengals played, and give them credit. You know, they conceded the run in that game. The Chiefs ran well. They ran for 155. They averaged almost seven yards a carry on the ground. But if you're the Bengals, you're fine with that. That doesn't bother you. Look, I think ultimately, the Chiefs, if you go back and you watch that game I did this week, um, it was an odd game. Kansas City came out, went three and out right away, had the ball first, then scored four touchdowns in a row. And right before half, had a kickoff return for a touchdown. Pringle brought it back to distance. But it was called back on a holding penalty, which was a good call. It was about 10 yards behind the play. It had no impact on it. And the Chiefs after that went in the tank. They only had, they only had four more drives the whole game. They had three points. Um, I would expect the Chiefs, much like they did against Buffalo, to try to isolate Kelsey and Hill in certain situations, get him in man coverage, even if it's a zone call, get him in a spot where it essentially turns into a one-on-one matchup and try to go after him. I think with the Chiefs, the other guy I'd watch is Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon did not play in that game. He was hurt. He was on IR. He has been a big part of their playoff run here so far. And I think he's going to see a lot of action in this game, along with Edward Delaire, who also did not play in that game. Matt, uh, put you on the spot here. What uh, what are you going with in this game before we move over to the NFC side? I think the Chiefs will win. I think it's something like a 10, 11-point game. I think I picked it on, on fan side of like 38-27. Um, I think the Bengals are good. And I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. Burrow's legitimate. They have great weaponry. I think they're going to have a hard time stopping Kansas City at Arrowhead in this game. I think they're going to move the ball. And if you're the Chiefs, look, the Bengals in that first match have only had three drives where they had to go 10 or more plays because they had so many explosive plays. Um, And in those three drives, one was extended by a a multitude of penalties and ended up in a touchdown. The other two were a punt and a field goal. If you're the Chiefs, you make the Bengals go 12 plays. I think you're pretty in shape. Matt, let's move to the NFC side. Niners, uh, three-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road against the Rams. Total 45-and-a-half. Of course, San Francisco swept the regular season series. We know that Kyle Shanahan has owned Sean McVay since uh, those two took over their positions there in San Fran and L.A. Uh, Just If you're looking at this game, I'll ask you the same question I asked you about the first one. 
What do you expect to be different from the first two matchups game plan wise for either of these sides? This is a little bit different because I don't, I don't know that the Rams have a great answer for the Niners. I mean, they've lost six in a row. As you mentioned, it's been ownership at this point. Um, that, that screams more of a, of a scheme issue for the Rams than it even does personnel because personnel's changed so much over the course of three years. The Niners have played the Rams at full strength this year twice, and they, they pounded them once, and they came back from a 17 nothing deficit there at time. Look, I think for the Rams, it really is about mentality. Uh, it's not maybe the greatest analysis in the world, but I think it's true in this case. They've got to be more physical. They've got to win at the point of attack. My X factor in this game is Trent Williams. I, I think if Williams can play, and he's legitimately 80-plus uh, percent of where he normally is, it's tough for the Rams. It really is. With him and Kittle and check. You, you really take away what makes the Rams' defense tough, which is that front. Um, and I think the Rams, they've got to figure out a way that and to protect Stafford, who has gotten hammered by the Niners the two times they've played him. So the total for this game moving down quite a bit here throughout the week from 47 to as low as 45 in the market. And I know two points doesn't sound like a lot, but to me it is quite a bit here, given everything we know about these two teams and, of course, a lot of recent matchups playing twice a year. So, Matt, what do you think about that? I mean, what do you think about the offenses in this game? Will they be able to have success? Will defense rule the day? Are these two head coaches just too scared of putting the game on the shoulders of their quarterbacks? How do you think this one kind of plays out in terms of points? Yeah, I like the under. I do. Um, I think it's close to that total, but I, I think it's like a 23-20 game one way or the other. I, I don't think it's going to be up in the high 40s or the 50s. And I think you bring up a good point. First of all, I think Shanahan's terrified of Garoppolo. Terrified. <laughs> like, they are not going to ask him to just start airing it out unless they have no other choice. Um, the Rams, Stafford has played really well. But in the first game, only threw 17 passes. Against Tampa, he was excellent. Give him all the credit in the world. Played really well there. It, the meltdown that they had was not his fault. He had nothing to do with it. He just kept fumbling. Um, but, I, you know, the one thing about the Rams, and you saw this against the Niners in both matchups this year, McVay at times does not like to go to the quick game. He'll continue to drop Stafford back in deeper drops, five-steppers. That stuff gets you killed against the Niners. They just get home too quick. You've got to me. You know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. The difference should be in this game. The Rams should throw the ball quick to Cup, quick to Beckham, get the ball out, let them make a play in space. Um, I, I think the defenses are going to keep this game close and score pretty well. Matt, uh, when we're all said and done here, who's playing next? Uh, two weeks from now in LA, you already said the uh, the Chiefs. Who are they playing? And then uh, what do you what do you like in that one two weeks from now? Uh, look ahead lines for both of these. Uh, Kansas City is short of a field goal against either opponent. Uh, two and a half against the Rams, or excuse me, two and a half against the Niners, and then two or even one and a half against the Rams right now on look ahead lines. So I, I am picking the Rams because I think Trent Williams is pretty hurt. If he was healthy, I'd probably pick San Francisco, but I'll, I'll say the Rams won by a field goal. Um, so I, I, you know, Chiefs Rams. I think the Rams have a much better shot to beat the Chiefs than the Niners do. I just, I know the Niners almost beat them a couple of years ago, but I think that San Francisco team was better than the current one. I don't think Garoppolo is beating Mahomes in, in this game. If he couldn't do it two years ago, I don't think he's doing it now. Uh, but if, if the Rams get there, I think it's close. I would take the Chiefs. They're just, to me, they're the best team in the NFL at this point. I think I had a person in the NFL text me before they played Buffalo. This is essentially the Super Bowl. And, they won in a, in a wild game. 
I'll take the Chiefs, but I think the Rams could really give them all they could handle. He's Matt Verderam. Get him on the tweets at his name, Matt Verderam. You find his great work at Fansided as well. Matt, pleasure as always to catch up with you. Thank you for being with us and enjoy the games. No problem. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, Matt Verderam again on the tweets at Matt Verderam. I am excited to get into the NFC game. Uh, quickly here in the last 40 seconds, uh, of course, there was a report earlier today that has been thrown up every which way of uh, that Tom Brady is going to retire after 22. Really? Yeah, look at that. I didn't, I didn't hear anything about that. <laughs> after 22 years, uh, Schefter and uh, Darlington on ESPN had a report, and then all chaos broke out on, on social media. All I'm going to say is, all I'm going to say is, that report I really do feel is going to end up being right. Just, uh, just next time, hold that in your pocket until the greatest of all time is ready to actually announce it. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. That's all I'm going to say on that one. NFC Championship game. Rams, Niners, time number three. We break it down in full starting next on VEASAN's Bet Center. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bet Center on VSIN, the sports betting network. Join the playoffs action with Super Cuts Fantasy Super Series. Play free fantasy football and basketball in the eight part contest series and compete for a cut of $45,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Supercuts now to get in on the action. It's not just any haircut. 
It's super cuts, terms and conditions, and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It is VEASAN's Bet Center. I'm Jeff Parles, Adam Burke, alongside. Happy to be with you here on, uh, well, it's still technically Saturday on the East Coast. You would, do you finally have a pick on the UC Santa Barbara Hawaii uh, chase game? No? no? No. No. I haven't even looked at it yet. No. I'm but, gonna, I, but by the time we're done, I might. Okay. I might money line the Gauchos. That's all I'll tell you on that one. <laughs> Adam, you had a point that you wanted to piggyback off of what Matt Verderam said in the last segment on, in looking at player props on something that Matt had to say there. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, he he covers the Kansas City Chiefs, right? And he just said that he just watched that game back in its entirety from that Week 17 matchup. And then also talked about the adjustment that the Chiefs made with Stephon Diggs last week. If you believe that the Chiefs are going to bracket Jamar Chase and are going to take him away, and furthermore, something else he mentioned I thought was really interesting, he talked about how they blitzed Burrow a ton in the first game and thinks they may back off of that a little bit in hopes of kind of keeping the plays in front of them, not being as explosive, you know, maybe maybe Joe Burrow's not getting hit as much, which kind of adds another interesting wrinkle to this game. But just sort of watching back through the game, thinking about how this game is going to go different, the adjustments that may be made, if it's not Jamar Chase, it's going to be somebody else because, as we've already established, we think that Cincinnati's going to try to throw to win. Maybe that's a T. Higgins, you know? So maybe you start thinking about it in that way. If they are going to make an adjustment to Chase, pull a Belichick and not let the best player beat you, somebody else has to get open. Somebody else is going to get those targets. So... You know, that's just kind of going through more of that player prop stuff we've been talking about. No, look, it's definitely interesting for sure. And Higgins, look, we mentioned it a little bit before anyway, that we thought Higgins would be a reasonable potential play for that most receiving yards or betting his prop over five and a half receptions at a plus number. And look, if they do bracket him and do the bracket chase like that, yeah, Higgins and Tyler Boyd also would be the two guys you look at on the Cincinnati side. Let's go to the NFC. Championship game at SoFi Stadium, Rams and Niners. Rams laying three and a half. The Niners, of course, coming in. They won week 17 against the Texans. I'm still aggravated the Texans didn't cover that game. They come from 17 down to beat these very Rams to get into the playoffs. And then they beat the Cowboys. Great final play from Dallas. <laughs> Even though, uh, again, that play started with 14 seconds, and Patrick Mahomes and company needed 13 to get 40 yards. No different circumstances, no timeouts for Dallas, but so be it. And then last week, the Niners' offense, Adam, was horrible in Green Bay and still managed to win 13-10. Here's the thing. Last week, the only way the Niners possibly could have won that game was how it ended up playing out. Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay's offense does not play well. After the first drive, they only mustered three points. And then Green Bay's horrible special teams does something ridiculous. And they did two ridiculous things. They allowed a field goal to get blocked at the end of the half, and then they don't block on a punt, let it get blocked. Legitimately, the ball was in the air for, four, for seemingly forever. They didn't allow and No one ran after it. Seven Niners had a chance to get it, ran it in for the end zone. And then Gold still hasn't missed the playoff kick in his career. Perfect yet again. But look, at Adam, I know Jimmy Garoppolo has not played well in this postseason. But the way that the Rams just match up so poorly with the Niners, and and look, let's throw the, it's hard to beat a team three times in one season, nonsense out the window. The numbers do not back that up. It's a 65% outright clip for the team that's already won twice. But if you get an average Garoppolo performance here, San Francisco should actually be in reasonable shape, even if it's just 
average. It doesn't even have to be good. If it's good, San Francisco's probably going to win this game, Adam. Yeah, I mean, average here would be don't hurt the team. Right. You know, don't just, turn it over. Take care of the football. I mean, that's all you have to do. This is literally the situation. We all look down upon guys who are labeled game managers. It's not that bad of a thing when you've got a running game like San Francisco does and also a defense and a pass rush like the 49ers have. That's really all Garoppolo needs to do in this game is, is take care of the football, maybe make a few throws on third down to keep things going, You know, allow them to go ahead and do what they do in the running game. That's really all Garoppolo has to do. And look, I realize he's not played well in the two games here in the playoffs, and maybe that has a lot to do with the injury. Also, last week, I'll go ahead and give him a pass for that game because, I mean, it was bitter cold. And I know people are like, oh, he played in that in Eastern Illinois. Okay, fine. That's not the NFL. That's not the divisional round. Like, they're they're not remotely comparable things. And he's also out there playing with something that makes it harder to grip the football, and a cold football is very, very hard to grip. So I'm not going to say anything bad about Garoppolo from last week. Does he need to play better in this game? Absolutely. But at the same time, If they win this game, it's going to be by running the football and playing defense and by just simply matching up really well with the Rams, as you alluded to. In the two meetings here this season, the Rams with 5.1 yards per play and 4.1 yards per play. The game they had 5.1, they lost 31 to 10. They threw it 42 times and ran it 10 times and still barely had over five yards per play. That is a remarkably inefficient offensive performance twice for the Rams this season against the 49ers. You're telling me it's not the same to play a game in Charleston, Illinois against one double-A competition as it is to play the Packers in Lambeau in January? I had to look up that it was Charleston, Illinois. So did I. I I had to make sure because I knew knew, uh, McComb was was Western and DeKalb was Northern, but I did not know where Eastern was. So we've become an Illinois geography show. See, there you go. It's SIUs in Carbondale. There we go. We hit them all in one swoop. We hit all the cardinal directions. But, uh, but, but, uh, but, but, but. I want to go back here to, to the San Francisco side. I really want to look at them more so than the Rams because their performance actually, I think, will dictate what happens here more than the Rams' performance because of the way that San Francisco looked six straight against this Ram team. Uh, Garoppolo played awesome in the second half of the of the second game this year. Heck, they went 75 yards with no timeouts in two minutes to, to – uh, to get themselves into overtime, which in, in essence got them in to the postseason. But for San Francisco here, and and look, I, I think Matt Verderam put it perfectly. Trent Williams is the whole key here. If Trent Williams is either inactive or plays and is highly ineffective, it is going to be very hard for San Francisco to move the ball in this game because of just what the Rams' front is. Now you can beat the Rams secondary, even as great, even as great as Jalen Ramsey is. You saw him get toasted last week. We've seen it from time to time. Their safety play right now is really bad with all the injuries they've had, but I have a hard time envisioning San Francisco. If Williams is not right, being able to hold up blocking wise, and that would put a ton of pressure on San Francisco's defense to do it again. Like they did last week. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, you know, when somebody is out or something happens, you start thinking about what the adjustment's going to be. So in my mind, right, I start thinking, okay, how much more will Debo Samuel be uh, spotlighted in this game by the 49ers? Because if they can't really run between the tackles or Williams isn't able to steal the edge, you're probably going to see somebody run who can try to beat a defender to the edge. That would be a Debo Samuel. You know, so 
to me, I start thinking about, okay, how many more touches is he going to get because they have to alter this offense a little bit? Do you see more Trey Lance packages here hmm. where he's a guy who, you know, can not only evade the rush, but maybe also run to the side opposite Williams, maybe get some kind of positive yardage out of that, particularly in a red zone situation. So maybe a Trey Lance, anytime touchdown, some kind of thing like that. Somebody as offensive, somebody as brilliant as Kyle Shanahan from an offensive standpoint will try to do whatever he can to account for the loss of Williams if he's unable to go. And, and frankly, for the fact that he'll be well below 100%, even if he can go. Somebody like Shanahan will have some kind of contingency plan in place. Now, whether or not it's effective, I don't know. But from a player prop standpoint, I start thinking about it that way and thinking, what is he going to do differently to try and account for that absence or you know that weakness? Well, the one other thing, too, Elijah Mitchell, he looks like he's going to be able to go, but was banged up in his practice on Thursday this week. Look, it, it is... It is really amazing this Niner team is here. They legitimately got nothing out of the third overall pick this year. Mm -hmm. Two starts. Lance was average at best in both. And yet here they are with essentially foregoing the third overall pick in the 2021 draft. And yet they are in the NFC Championship game. One win away from Jimmy Garoppolo starting in two Super Bowls in three years. It's really remarkable when you put it all together, Adam. It really is. It absolutely is. And, you know, as, as somebody who's a Browns fan, where, you know, they've got a good defense, they've got a good running game, and Baker Mayfield is probably not as good as Jimmy Garoppolo, as sad as that is to say. <laughs> but it gives me hope, at least as a fan. So there is that. No, and look, and again, the, the, big, the big thing is the NFC moving forward. Assuming, assuming Brady is retiring, assuming Rodgers isn't back in Green Bay. That quarterback situation is not good in the NFC. So you could start seeing some weird things happening in these NFC playoffs moving forward, kind of like what we've already seen this postseason. We continue on with an NFC championship preview here on VEASAN's Bet Center. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 